It's just absolutely horrible that you, uh, what, regardless of political affiliation that you have, you can't, people in the room can't sit there and go, you know what? This is absolutely horrific. What is going on with this crap? It's the H Dog Pod with your host, Michael Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 84, the Randy Moss edition of the podcast. Really, when I was thinking about what athlete I should use for the pod, Moss immediately sprung to mind, and it was a slam dunk to make him the focal point. Side tangent, don't you just love slash hate mixed sports metaphors? I just said one. Slam dunk, Randy Moss, he played football, not basketball. Or what about home run hitter when talking about a football player making big plays? Or power play quarterback for hockey, yet a QB plays football? I'm sure I'm forgetting others, but you catch my drift. Randy Moss had the fourth most receiving yards in NFL history, with the second most TD catches, had 10 seasons of 1,000-yard receiving, was a four-time first-team All-Pro, and led the NFL in touchdown catches for five seasons. What a freak of an athlete. By the way, did you remember he played for the Tennessee Titans? Look it up. So often, athletes play for teams you have no recollection of. The main reason I wanted to bring him up was for his hilarious reaction of how he's going to pay for a fine that he incurred. Straight cash, homie. Stray cash, homie. I love that one so much. Also, if you attempt to text someone that, be careful for autocorrects. Things could get pretty, pretty awkward, depending on who you're talking to, because it autocorrects too. Stray cash, honey. Speaking of awkward, it's time to have on my next guest where things most certainly will not be awkward at all. I hope. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome back on my good friend, Eric Big Cat Cohen. He's a veteran sports broadcaster for nearly a quarter of a century, and he produces for TSN Edge and has a proclivity, good word, like I do, to place a better two. I had him on episode 46 of this podcast, and I'm thrilled to have him back on again. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Eric. Always great to be here, Hound Dog. Can't wait to talk sports and gambling with you. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll have a lot of good uh, gambling uh, things to discuss because uh, I've had some uh, you know, decent wins lately, but then also some uh, some pretty big beats, which, of course, stick with you more than uh, than those wins. Uh, well, I guess speaking of beats, I didn't even mean to do that uh, that segue, but it's pretty good. Uh, let's start off with uh, the Maple Leafs. A couple weeks ago, we're up 3-2. We've seen the script a million times. They were up 3-2 against the Lightning in the first round, and, of course, they choked their guts out. Uh, did you expect them to actually win this year, or did you, did you think uh, they were going to lose again? I did expect them to win, and I don't think it's really fair to say they choked, to be honest with you. I mean, listen, they choked the last two years. The last two years when they had That's true. Columbus and Montreal in the first round, those were series Toronto had to win. They were the better team. Uh, and they definitely choked against Columbus. They they rally back for an improbable win in Game 4. They have all the momentum on home ice, and they get shut out in Game 5. And then last year, of course, the Montreal. Up, up three one. games to one. Yeah. Uh, really no excuse at all to lose that series. But you lose in overtime in Game 5. You lose in overtime in Game 6. And you don't show up in Game 7. And obviously, Campbell gives up an awful goal to Gallagher to open the scoring. And it's... Uh, you know, it was a very, very painful loss. This is very different. Um, you know, you're playing the two-time defending champions. You outplay them badly in game one. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you outplay them again relatively uh, a very one-sided game in game three. They played extremely well. Uh, then you come out in game five and you fall behind, but you have a gutsy win and all the momentum. You have everything going for you. 
Uh, game six, again, you fall behind 2 nothing, and a lot of uh, – you got to give them a lot of credit. They come back, they take the lead. Looks like they have the game under, in, in control. And then, of course, the two penalties, uh, both of them, you know, borderline as far as the stick, not actually getting the face, getting the shoulder. Um, one case you have a, you know, a stick being lifted. It puts the Leafs down two men for a prolonged time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, against, you know, that team, you give them a five-on-three for essentially two minutes, they're going to score. And then in overtime, I thought the Leafs outplayed them badly. Yep. Uh, and just couldn't and just couldn't score. So, I mean, you know, then you have game seven at home, and then it's, you know, you give up you get two goals. Campbell plays well. You do. You're good in your own end, and and Vasilevsky does what Vasilevsky does in those closeout games. I mean, the Leafs were the only team to to score a goal on him in his last seven closeout games. He has like six shutouts in the other ones, but you know, just just a painful, painful way to lose. And you know, I thought the effort was there most nights. I thought that they they gave everything they had. They had a couple bounces that didn't go their way. And Vasilevsky got really, really good in that series as the, as the series progressed. And so I don't consider it a choke. I think that, you know, and I think John Cooper, you look at, you know, how he views the Leafs. He knows they could have won that series. He knows how good they are. Uh, and then you look at Florida. I mean, Florida led the, led the world in scoring this year, and they scored three goals in the series against Tampa Bay. Tampa wiped the mat with them. So shows you how good Tampa Bay is. And I think Toronto... I, I definitely don't think you blow it up. I think you got to maybe tinker a little bit. But this team has what it takes to win. We just haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it since 2004. But I know it's there. I know the talent's there. They just got to get over the hump. That's a fair point about the choke. I guess I just uh, definitely was. It definitely, without question, felt different than, uh, like you said, the series is to Columbus and Montreal. It's just been so many years of them losing the first round. It just, you know, it all adds up and all the scar tissue and everything, everything like that. It's just like, oh, here we go again. So, yeah, it's uh, by, by the way, in that game seven, uh, when they, they thought they'd tied the game, Tavares and Justin Hall had the penalty. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, what do you think uh, of that? That's an awful call on Justin Hall. That should never be called. That was a, that was another way. Absolutely, absolutely brutal. Yeah, it's just. I just unfortunately, when the I don't know if you did this, but I definitely did. Uh, you know, basically hedging against my emotions a little bit anyway. But when the, the Leafs went up three two, I'm like, you know what? I've seen the script a million times. It's, I think it's now ten times in a row when they have had a chance to eliminate eliminate an opponent, they haven't been able to do it. So I said, you know what? Uh, on FanDuel, the odds for Tampa Bay to win the Cup are like twenty-two to one or something like that. Yeah, I said, were. you know, I, I bet I, I'll admit I bet on Tampa Bay to win the Cup because I was like, you know what? Hey, I will gladly lose that money now. I wish, I, of course, I had bet more, but I would gladly lose that money uh, for Leafs to win. But I just had a feeling, unfortunately, it would be the same thing again. And man, it was so, they're they're so close. It's not like this team is uh, getting swept every first round. They're so close every year. They just find a way to somehow. Unfortunately, uh, not get over that hump. It's crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, every single playoff series, you think about it. I mean, they all come down to Game 7. The Leafs are the only team in pro sports, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, to lose five straight um, win-or-go-home games in the first round. I mean, it's insane, right? Like, you think about it, you know, this year, uh, you know, this year, Tampa Bay, last year Montreal, the year before that Columbus, the year before that Boston, the year before that Boston. Every single one of those series, they had a chance that they win that game, they move on, they lost five in a row. No team's ever done that 
in the first round in pro sports history. So they're in a league of their own that way, and it's not exactly something you want. Very dubious distinction. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, it, that's the thing, like, obviously, you know, Leaf haters will, of course, obviously, talk about how they haven't won the Cup since 1967. But we're not even talking about winning the Cup here. All we're talking about is winning one series. One damn series. And they can't even do that it's just so frustrating it must i can't even imagine to be the players and, and you know the coaching staff and the, the whole organization because like we said they're so close but they just for some they're, they're missing something and it's so hard i'm glad you mentioned about you know basically sticking with status quo and not blowing it up uh, because no i mean well first of all i don't think you could blow it up because of the contracts for some of these guys but yeah what what do they do like what what, what tangible thing can they do different uh, uh in the off season really well, they don't have a lot of options. You're right because you can't move, you know, John Tavares's contract. Um, you know, they have to obviously re-sign uh, Austin Matthews at some point. Um, you know, William Nylander is somebody they could trade if they wanted to. If they wanted to bring in a top-notch defenseman, I just don't. I just think he's got so much talent that it just it um, it's not a good option. And you know, to me, that's why I say you just you, you got on. I know Leaf fans don't really want to hear it, some of them, but you got to keep it. You got to keep it rolling. You got to give it another shot. I know it just feels like every year it's the same old story, but eventually this team's going to break through. They have the talent, so it's uh, it's going to happen. And it just uh, it's frustrating that uh, you know we're still here, but we are. Well, that's so. the th- that's the thing with. Uh, for, I remember even a few years ago before they won the Stanley Cup, the the Capitals. Yep. There was definitely a narrative out there that was like, oh, they have to trade Alex Ovechkin because, you know, he's part of like the, you know, the core that has lost for so many years. Now, granted, they'd won a playoff series in that time, but they, they hadn't even made the Eastern Conference final in any of Alex Ovechkin's years. And that was the narrative. You got to get rid of him. You got to get rid of him, him, you know, Backstrom, all these guys. And they stuck with the status quo and they eventually won the cup against Vegas. So I guess that could be the model you could look at and say, you know, just stick with what, what you're doing and eventually it'll work. Yeah, exactly. That's I think that's the uh, really the only. I think that's what you got to do. I and mean, you're right. The Capitals it took them so many years losing and losing and losing to Pittsburgh, and and, and even the year they won the Cup, like you know they were down two nothing to Columbus in the first round. They were down uh, in Game Three in Columbus in an overtime that would have put them up three nothing in that series. Instead, Washington came back, won that series, ended up beating. Um, Pittsburgh in the second round, and, and it all worked out. Uh, listen, it's uh, it's tough. It's tough for the. I, I get for, I get the frustration. I'm there too. But uh, I think you got to keep it going. I really believe that this they'll figure it out, and I think next year's the year. <laughs> I keep saying it. Yeah, I know. It's hard not to think that you're right. Like this team is too talented uh, to be able to do it. Well, speaking from going from one uh, talented Toronto sports team that's not quite playing up to expectations of the Leafs. And you got another one in baseball with the Blue Jays. Now, hopefully, they'll finally get the bats going as of this recording. Uh, actually, have a, perhaps a start to actually start doing well with the bats. But my goodness, what is going on with their hitting this year? It has been absolutely putrid. Good word. Yeah, nobody saw that coming. That's for sure. Opening day, they're down like six nothing. They come back and you know they beat Texas. You think, God, these are the Blue Jays we love. Never out of a game. So many options in this lineup that they can that can win a game for you and it just uh hasn't happened uh you know there's a lot of reasons obviously to oscar getting hurt and vladdy not having protection behind him for a while hurt and then um you know they 
Jansen obviously went down. He had to play Kirk too much. Uh, Chapman has struggled to, you know, really get things going offensively. Really bad uh, average, yeah. They'll make the excuses about a lot of teams are struggling because of the whatever they've done to the baseball and just offense being down just everywhere this year. And I don't know if I necessarily buy that for the Blue Jays, but uh, I was at an event on the weekend, a season ticket event, and they had their assistant general manager as one of the speakers. And I did ask him, I said, you know, like, pitching's been great, but, I mean, we expected this team to score five, six runs a game. You know, mm-hmm. what's happening? And he he did say that, you know, he thought there was something up with the baseball and uh, that the Blue Jays, like money, teams are struggling with it. So we'll see. Um very strange to watch as a, as a Blue Jay fan. Certainly not very happy about it, but hopefully they could turn that around sooner rather than later. Well, of course, obviously, yeah. The the you know the, the the thought that you know the baseballs are, you know, there's not a lot of offense around baseball this season and so forth. Yeah, but every team has the same issue if if that's the case. So it's like at some point, like I, I know it's uh, it's May, but then again, May last year was the month that screwed Toronto eventually from making the playoffs by that one game because they were so bad. This time it was the bullpen last year. But uh, it's like, you know, especially losing these games in the AL East, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, at some point, because it's about a quarter, roughly a quarter of the way through the season, so there's obviously still a lot of games left, but at some point, you got to stop saying like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there, we'll get there eventually, it'll come, it's, okay, at some point, it's just, that's what they, that's what they are, uh, and I think I saw the stat that, if this, and of course, if the season had ended today, they would have like the worst hitting with runners in scoring position in MLB history, it's like holy! I just it's just it's just madness that they could be this this bad. I it defies logic. Yeah, listen, it's uh, the Blue Jays missed the playoffs by one game last year, and everyone talked about that 500 start they had after you know a month and a half or whatever, and you know playing in Dunedin, playing in Buffalo, they had those built-in excuses. There's no excuses this year for this team. Mm-hmm. You know they were the favorite to win the American League East. They've got to go out and show it. And the Yankees have a sizable lead now, and it's not going to be easy for this team to pull it together and, and catch New York. And I know it's early; it's only you know we're still in late May, but uh, you can't. You're down seven, eight games in a division. That's awfully hard to make up. Uh, you you're, you now need a prolonged Yankee slump, and you got to get on a roll. And the Jays have put themselves in a less than ideal position if they're going to make if they're going to win the division i still think they make the playoffs if they expand the playoffs an extra team gets in mm-hmm. the jays would have made the playoffs last year under these rules that they have currently this year as great as the pitching is this team uh has a lineup one to nine that should be scoring a lot more runs than what we've seen without question and then correct me if i'm wrong on this i don't believe i've seen this narrative out there like on twitter or whatever which is actually quite shocking to me I don't think I've seen like uh, this uh, huge groundswell of people asking for. The, uh, usually, when a team uh, you know pitches poorly, oh, you got to fire the pitching coach. Or if a team like the Jays aren't hitting well, you got to you have to fire the uh, the hitting coach. I don't think there's been any a groundswell of people wanting to get rid of the, the hitting coach. Uh, am I wrong? It just seems weird that you know, there's people... been some talk about him and Montoya. Um, you know, there that's definitely been out there. The, I don't think Atkins and Shapiro are going to be quickly to make that move, but. It's the narrative has been there based on the offensive struggles. Well, uh, Charlie Montoyo, I, I, I still have what's it? I think the fourth season with the Blue Jays, and I've said that on this podcast several different times. I, I still don't really know what to make of the guy. Like, I, I certainly don't dislike Charlie Montoyo, but I definitely don't love Charlie Montoyo. It's it's weird. By this point, I think I would have had a, a stronger opinion on him, but 
it's just so, somewhere in the middle with him. It's it's very bizarre. Do you, do you like Montoya? Uh, I don't love him. No, he's a, he's a, he's a player's manager. The players like him. He's, you know, he's he's got a bit of more of an edge to him this year. We've seen that now that he's been you know thrown out of a lot of games, and it just you know he's not the the nice guy that we've seen over the last uh, couple years. But um, I don't love him. I, I feel like. There is some mismanagement. I obviously didn't like, like a lot of Jays fans were upset a couple of days ago when they got walked off in St. Louis, the way he managed his bullpen, that Jordan Romano didn't come into the game, and he stuck with Barucki uh, against uh, against Goldschmidt, who walked him off with a slam. I, I, that was a bad luck to have your best pitcher not come into a game in and, and extra innings, and his, you know, his answer was, well, we tried that in Houston in a tie game. We lost that game, so we don't want to put Romano in a game unless we're winning. I don't know. I think if you're in a high leverage situation, you got to use your best relievers out there. And the Jays had to get out of that tent thing to give them a chance to win the game in the 11th, and they didn't do it. So that was a bad luck. And I, you know, I don't think he's a terrible manager. I just, I just feel like, you know, he if things go bad, he's not necessarily the guy that's going to um, really lay the fire under them. Mm-hmm. And I think they need a little bit more than that with young kids. I mean, they're now developed. I mean, you know, we're not we're not developing, you know, Bo and Vladdy, and obviously Cavan's been a real disappointment last year and this year. He can't stay healthy, uh, but that, you know that was supposed to be the core. And you know, you got to make sure you have a manager that that um, you know, if things are not going well, he's going to be able to say and do the right things to get everyone on track. And this has been a long slump now. And, you know, you haven't really seen anything consistent that this team is ready to get out of it. The fact they scored seven runs at home against Cincinnati, that's uh, just a really bad look. I mean, teams games. and the Cubs oh. were scoring double digits in a game against the Reds. The Reds are a, a very bad baseball team that's rebuilding. You know, uh, you know, you lost a game, you scored two runs against, uh, you know, a, a pitcher that, you know, they did not have good numbers, a bullpen that did not have good numbers. And, and uh, you know, you just you got to show a killer instinct. The Yankees had a killer instinct when they won 11 straight games and went on a roll and played like 900 baseball over a 20-game stretch. I just need to see more of that from the Blue Jays. Uh, and, you know, I don't know who to blame. I don't know if it's Montoya or something else. But, you know, we haven't seen it yet, and it's definitely needed for this team to get to where they want to be. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know, fortunately, <laughs> the baseball season is a marathon, not a sprint. So they do have a lot of time here to get back into it, and uh, I'm, I'm sure they will. But it's just you know, sometimes it's just, it's just sort of frustrating. Um, well, speaking of uh, potentially frustrating, let's get into some uh, gambling stuff here. Uh, as I said off the top, there uh, proclivity for a few bets. Um, do you have any really good wins lately, or any uh, just soul crushing losses? Well, you know what? When you bet as much as I do, and I bet so much, yeah, you, you get wins that uh, that you definitely uh, feel pretty good about. But you always remember the losses. I was on the I was on the Phillies a couple weeks ago, and they were up seven nothing against the Mets, and seven one of the ninth, and blew it. It was the first time in like twenty five years the Mets had ever come back in the ninth inning with a deficit like that. And I was on Philadelphia, right? Oh, so you remember no, that? No. Uh, you know, you remember when those things happen. Like I said, if you if you're gonna keep betting, then uh, you can't focus too much on on losses because at the end of the day, tomorrow's a new day. You're gonna start all over again anyway, and it's it's not like um, it's 
not like you're going to stop gambling because you got a bad beat. So you just you keep going, you keep plugging away, and you know every day I, I look at the board and I, I try to find some value. I mean, you know, betting unders in baseball has been a good trend. I know you mentioned FanDuel; it's a, it's a sponsor of us at TSN Edge. They offer a lot of great promotions and odds boosts, and I try to jump all over that and get value whenever we can with that stuff. And um. You know, and, and you just, uh, it's fun. It keeps everything interesting. It keeps it, uh, you know, why else would you stay up till 2 in the morning to watch a Giants-Mets game than watch, you know, a crazy game like you had last night where, you know, again, the Mets come back from a huge deficit, but this time they actually blow the lead in the ninth inning. And, you know, it, it makes it a lot more fun when you got something at stake watching it. So that's why I do what I do. Absolutely. So, and you mentioned that there's uh, baseball unders have been doing pretty well lately. Are there any other uh, for other sports, any other hot tips on uh, some sort of trends that you've been noticing? Yeah, you know, a lot of blowouts in the NBA, right? I mean, generally, you know, the team, you don't have to worry. If you like a favorite, you don't have to worry about them not covering because, uh, you know, they, they are – they are all over it, right? Like uh, it's very rare in the NBA in the playoffs this year. You've got a team that's favored to win and win, but not cover the spread. So basically, it's you know if you like a team, you just lay the points and you don't even think about it because you're just not getting the close games right now. So it's certainly, I think one trend that we've seen um, in the NBA. Uh, 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 not NBA. It was the NHL, Eric. The NHL. Obviously, Tampa Bay was. Um, uh, an absolute machine against Florida. Getting Tampa Bay as underdogs in, in all those games was, was amazing. And the series price. And, of course, the big trend in the NHL right now is, is Carolina, right? I mean, they've won all their home games, and they've lost all their road games. So mm. uh, you got to spot those things, right? Carolina was, was money at home in games 1, 2, 5, and 7 against Boston. Couldn't win games 3, 4, and 6 in Boston. Now the same thing here in the Rangers series. Carolina squeaks out wins in games one and two looks great and then the rangers were clearly the better team at msg in games three and four and very low scoring series right so you got a low scoring series there you got a high scoring series with calgary and edmonton where all those games are going over with the exception of game three so yes yeah it's it's one of those things right you follow it you follow the trends and you you keep riding it until you feel like it's going to uh fall off absolutely and uh Speaking of, uh, well, it wasn't necessarily a, a, a really bad gambling beat because I end up sort of breaking even or making even a little bit on Justin Thomas uh, winning the PGA Championship. Uh, that was crazy. Tied the largest comeback in PGA Championship history going into the final round, uh, seven shots back. Yeah. Uh, I saw some things online, like someone had like a, a 250 to 1 ticket uh, on, the, uh, on the 10th hole on, on Sunday. That just is absolutely ludicrous because I, I remember seeing the bet. He was 25 to 1, which is a massive right. difference. Right. It was 200, never 250 to 1. Yeah. That would be absolutely crazy for a guy who's, uh, you know, won as many times as he has. He, you know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer eventually. Like, that's yeah. just crazy. Uh, but I did have Cam uh, Cameron Young to win that tournament. Uh, and, uh, at least I, I placed an each way bet on him, so I was able to make like $40 back. But if he'd won, it would have been like $700. He finished a shot out of a playoff. It was like, uh, at 75 to 1 before the tournament to win as well. So that one kind of hurt to be like, ah, so close on that one, you know? But I feel like golf, there's just, you know, so you could have so many bad beats in a tournament, right? Like if you hit one putt, you, you know, one driver doesn't go in the water, then all of a sudden everything changes in that leaderboard. And, and what happened, uh, Certainly, uh, this week I, I, you don't you don't see it that often. I, it seemed like every day there was a different golfer that was favored, um, and 
for, for Thomas to do what he did, seven strokes back on a final Sunday with so many guys ahead of him. Uh, that's that's certainly a comeback for the ages. And speaking yeah, speaking of beats, uh, a good friend of ours at work, uh, Eric O'Neill, had bet on Mito Pereira from Chile. He was going to be the first Chilean to win a major championship, and he was winning by one on the on the seventy second hole. He was two hundred to one before the tournament. Wow. So if you bet five dollars on him, you'd win a thousand. And uh, yeah, he led by one on the last hole, put the ball in the water, made double bogey, and lost. Just like that, he went from winning with a hole to go to no no chance, not even in the playoff to win. So it's there's a, such great value potentially in hitting on a golfer, but it's just so damn hard to to get outright winners because because of that very reason. Earlier this, a few months ago, I had Gary Woodland to win at uh, Bay Hill. He made this great eagle on 16 on Sunday, yeah. leading with two holes to play. Then he puts the ball in the bunker. Then he can't even get it out of the out of the sand on the next shot. Makes a double bogey. He ruins his chances to win. I would have won like 400. It's just like, it's so damn hard to win in golf. But if you are right, the money is so, so good on that. So it's a tough one. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm sure you do a podcast all on your own of bad beats you've had at, uh, at majors and other golf tournaments, right? It's uh, definitely, uh, definitely, unfortunately, uh, a common thing. No, no, no question. A couple other ones that were... Uh, whenever uh, uh, gambling became legalized, all these different sporting books in Canada uh, opened up. The, because of that, uh, they uh, wiped out any futures bets people had placed on, on different yes. betting books. And there was two that I made that specifically, they, now they weren't for a huge amount of money, but still frustrating. One was that Daryl Sutter would win the Jack Adams Award as the best coach in hockey. Yeah. Really strong chance he'll win that. And uh, obviously that bet wiped off the betting book because uh, I made that futures bet, you know, in probably November or something like that. Yeah, any future made before April. Yeah, it got, all got wiped out. And then and the Boston Celtics as well. That was another one when they had started to go on a run, I want to say maybe around February or March, something like that. They won a bunch of games. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, of course, the East is wide open. You never know. That's been the Celtics, same thing. And then that bet got wiped out as well. So super, super frustrating that uh, no chance of winning those. So now I'm like, you know, it's it. Now the odds are, of course, for Boston to win are nowhere near what they were when I got them at. So I'm just, just no. waiting it out, hoping they lose, basically. Well, there's no way to obviously segue from this to this, but uh, sticking with the NBA, Steve Kerr, coach of the Golden State Warriors, had all these comments that I respected so, so much lately or a couple of days ago where he said, uh, you know, about the guns, uh, all these mass shootings that are happening in the States. Like, when are they going to wake up in the States? And, you know, have better gun laws. It's just absolutely horrifying and so, so sad. What do you think about his comments that he made? I thought they were just absolutely spot on, and I have so much respect for him. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, good for him. And he makes them hours before uh, his team is preparing to play uh, a game where they can eliminate the Dallas Mavericks. And it shows you that, you know, Steve Kerr understands that there's more to life than than sports. And Steve Kerr is 100% right with everything he said. He was emotional. He, he, he used his platform that he had to basically be up there to talk about game four and used it for good and got people to realize the horror of what's happening in this, you know, in this world we live in. In the span of like a couple of weeks, you had the mass shooting in Buffalo. You had the incident at the school where, you know, 19 innocent kids are killed and, um, it's it's scary as hell. It's scary as hell that people are allowed to get guns as easily as they do, that the background checks are not there, that there's not more security 
in places, unfortunately, where these kind of things can happen. Because, yeah, we, we, we can't keep having these moments of silence and these are oh, condolences and it's awful and it's terrible and, and nothing being done. And that's what Steve's trying to say. Like, you know, people with the power, the governors, the people that, you know, can can put in a new law, can change existing laws, they've got to do something. Because I think we're all sick to see these kind of things. You shouldn't go to a shopping mall and feel like your life is in danger. You shouldn't send your kid to school and pray to God that your kid comes home from school. These things should not be there. It, we should be living in a very, very different, secure world. And what's happened is disgusting. It is so painful to watch. And as Steve said, imagine if it was your own child or your own family member, brother, sister, husband, wife. It just, it, it just can't happen. And, you know, good for Steve for using his power for good. Sometimes I feel like when an athlete or a coach says something, it's for their own um, their own gain. And in this case, I certainly don't feel that way. I think he, Steve was genuine. I think he believed everything he said. There was no ulterior motive. He did it to raise awareness. And I am uh, 100% on board with everything he said. I'm not going to talk about basketball. Nothing's uh, happened with our team in the last six hours. We're going to start the same way tonight. Um, any basketball questions uh, don't matter. Um, since we left shoot-around, 14 children were killed 400 miles from here, and a, and a teacher. And in the last 10 days, we've had elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo. We've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California, and now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to, to the devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough. There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8 which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple of years ago. It's been sitting there for two years. And there's a reason they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. So I ask you, Mitch McConnell, I ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings, I ask you, are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children and our elderly and our churchgoers? Because that's what it looks like. It's what we do every week. So I'm fed up. I've had enough. We're going to play the game tonight. But I want every person here, every person listening to this, to think about your own child or grandchild or mother or father or sister or brother. How would you feel if this happened to you today? We can't get numb to this. We can't sit here and just read about it and go, well, let's have a moment of silence. Yeah, go Dubs, you know. Come on, Mavs, let's go. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go play a basketball game. And, the, and 50 senators in Washington are going to hold us hostage. Do you realize that 90% of Americans, regardless of political party, want 
background check, universal background check. 90% of us, we are being held hostage by 50 senators in Washington who refuse to even put it to a vote, despite what we, the American people, want. They won't vote on it because they want to hold on to their own power. It's pathetic. I've had enough. This whole concept of, oh, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Okay, that doesn't bring those people back, man. It's just so, so horrible and horrifying. And I say, if anyone's default position when this something like this happens is to then use the this for their agenda and to, to, to push... You know, like, oh, like, oh, that's totally fine. We need to, all we need is uh, people to learn more about God or whatever. Like, if you're using this as your position to essentially poo-poo it and say it's not a big deal, which, of course, you see, you definitely see on Twitter a lot of times happening. It's just absolutely horrible that you, uh, regardless of political affiliation that you have, you can't, people in the room can't sit there and go, you know what? This is absolutely horrific. What is going on with this crap? And I have saw, you know, in the UK and Australia, there was mass shootings like 25 years ago. They put stricter laws in, in place, and there hasn't been any since then. It's just, it's just so uh, mind-boggling that it's just, it just continues to happen in the States, unfortunately. And, of course, you know, it can, it can happen anywhere at any time. But because, like you said, the such lax gun laws and everything like that, it just, it just, oh, it just disgusts me that, yeah, it's, it's especially so many in uh, such quick succession. That uh, I'm just so th- uh, glad that Kerr said that. Unfortunately, I don't think it'll have the impact that we all hope it does. I just can't imagine what, how people can differ on this. P- people getting killed for no good reason at all obviously is not good. No, that's the thing. I think that, you know, Steve said what he said, and it's great that he did, but you're right. It's not like what's been happening is going to stop anytime soon unless things change. And I mean, you know, listen, you could always make the argument that these psychopaths are going to find a way to get guns, whether the laws are easy or hard to buy them. Um, you know, you, there's always going to be a black market. There's always going to mm-hmm. be a guy who knows a guy. Um, so that's why there's just no easy answer to this. But man, every time you see something, um, it just, it's just gut wrenching, and you just and you just wonder like when will it stop? And I, I wish I had an answer. Unfortunately, you're right; I don't either. There are no words until actual action is done. It's just yeah, it's just horrible. Uh, well, like I said earlier, there's no you know way to segue at all, and there's no way to segue to anything else from that. But uh, I guess yeah, I just will ask uh, yeah, how is things going for you professionally on the TSN Edge and um, and everything uh, with you? Oh, it's great. You know, uh, I think uh, we've definitely uh, come a long way from the last time we talked. Um, it's been, you know, a couple years now, and we've definitely seen things grow. And we're starting to we're starting to really, I think, make our mark and and get to the places we want to get to. And we have a great sponsor with FanDuel, and um, you know, I, I think our content's outstanding, and the presence that we have right now is 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 awesome it's it's you know a lot of the things that we envision when we when when this started and takes a lot of hard work and, and a lot of hours and a lot of pounding the pavement but uh i think we're getting to where we want to get to and you know myself i feel very uh rewarded by it and uh proud of where we are and certainly see uh things continuing to progress and, and get a lot better Actually, uh, I just got to thinking. I can't even believe we haven't even discussed NFL at all. Uh, you know, speaking of futures bets, uh, man, it's only May, but it's like I want the I want the preseason to start now. 
I have a weird, and I'm sure I'm going to be completely kicking myself for this later on, like when the, when the they're probably, realistically, Seattle won't be very good this year. I have a weird optimism about the team, almost like it was the the year before they, or uh, the draft when they got Russell Wilson. It was just like, you know what, there's actually some like weird optimism and like, and again, that could be completely wiped out and it might be horrible, but I have a feeling they, they were on the right track. They actually had a draft that for once people liked. They got like uh, two cornerbacks, two uh, defensive ends, two uh, two receivers, and uh, one, uh, two offensive linemen. So it's like, okay, they're actually doing some things here. Uh, any NFL futures that you're looking at that, uh, that, that you're uh, in love with? Well, listen, I'm a Bills fan, and I, I do feel uh, very good about the Bills. I feel like they uh, have a great opportunity this year to win the Super Bowl, and certainly last year I was there for them, and uh, you know they, they blew it in 13 seconds on two plays after taking the lead in Kansas City, so I'm, I'm certainly optimistic there. But yeah, when I look around the NFL, there certainly are a lot of things that uh, that I like. I think that, I think Arizona to not make the playoffs is a bet that I'll probably make. I mean, you look at. Uh, you know, you look at that division, and, and obviously, uh, you know, the, the Rams are really good. Uh, you know, I think the 49ers will be good again, even though they got to figure out what they're doing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned Seattle's rebuilding. I just don't think – I think, you know, last year we saw Arizona fall off, and I think all the drama with Kyler Murray cannot be good for what's going on there. So I, I like them to miss the playoffs about even money. Uh, certainly something I'm really looking at. Um you know, it's tough because uh, a lot of uh, that the AFC West is really, really good. So I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how Russell, as you mentioned, will fit in with Denver and how that will affect Kansas City. Obviously, the Raiders made some big upgrades getting Devontae Adams. Uh, the Chargers are better. So that's, you know, that's a, that's a really good division. And then what, what goes on in Green Bay, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers, all the drama we saw with him, he's back, but now there's no Devontae Adams. They're, again, big favorites in that division. I like Indianapolis to to win their division. I think they're better than Tennessee. I think, obviously, they, they choked at the end of last year. Obviously, losing to Jacksonville, a game you can't lose, but I think that they're, they're the best team in that division. Tennessee, obviously, uh, you know, trading their, both their top two receivers, or leasing one of them, Julio Jones, and trading A.J. Brown. I... I, I I worry about them with their passing game. We saw that as an issue in, in their playoff loss to Cincinnati. Uh, you know, obviously we'll see how Matt Ryan fits in in Indy, but I, I do I do, I do like them in that division. And, uh, you know, looking at everything else, I think um, I think the Saints to miss the playoffs is also a good bet. I just don't... Uh, with, all the, with all the parity in the NFC, I just don't think they're there. Obviously Tom Brady coming back makes the Bucks the a huge favorite in the division again. I just don't think there's a playoff spot right now for New Orleans, so I would definitely take them to miss the playoffs as well. And that's what I'm looking at right now. I have a, a slightly uh, spicy one. Now, of course, this obviously will hinge on essentially, probably Aaron Rodgers uh, getting injured. Let's be honest, most likely. But uh, actually, I placed the bet maybe a month or so ago. I was talking to a buddy about it, and we sort of somehow talked ourselves into it. And at the time, to win the NFC North, the Detroit Lions were twelve to one. I'm looking at FanDuel now. Now they're eight and a half to one, eight fifty to one to win the division. Again, this, this would hinge on uh, Aaron Rodgers, like, realistically, probably getting um, uh, you know getting injured. But like Minnesota and Chicago, you can't really tell me those two teams are miles and miles better than Detroit. So 
in my opinion, like, I don't know. I, I think I'm just tell, uh, buying what Dan Campbell, their coach, is uh, selling. Because I thought, for the most part, they were pretty competitive Detroit uh, the last, like, six or eight weeks last year. Am I crazy to think that the, the, the Detroit Lions could have a crazy, like, you know, worst to first in the, in the division next year? Yeah, I don't think they're there yet. Uh, but uh, they definitely showed signs of improvement in the, the last month and a half. Other than the game in Seattle where your Seahawks just blew the doors off. Yeah, that was really weird. That was but, random. Uh, yeah, yeah they, they improved, but I don't I don't think they're there yet. They they need a lot more help on defense. I think I think you know Campbell's a good coach, a good motivator. Says you know give, always good for a good soundbite, but uh, I don't think he's the guy to really get this team over the top just yet. Because they have obviously the second overall pick. They got Aiden Hutchinson. Their, uh, I think it was fourth round pick yeah, last they're, year. They're, you know, that's a fortunate thing for them because it looked like he was going to go first overall. But to get a hometown, homegrown talent like that, it was such a standout at Michigan, obviously, that the Lions have to be thrilled about that. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, obviously, you're right about the division. I mean, that's obviously a bit of a dart throw that I placed. I, I love it, the fact, though, that the odds have gone down since I placed that bet. Maybe I haven't even looked at their uh, over under win totals for for Detroit, but maybe their season win total could be something that uh, let's take a look at what, what those odds are. But yeah, if you feel like the Lions can uh, can compete, then maybe you take the over and you know they can win seven games and they can win you that bet for sure. Yeah, that, that's funny you say that seven games because the over under is uh, six and a half on that one. So yeah. uh, for them to, to do that, so I don't know. I'm just I think I, maybe it's just like I like Dan Campbell. I think he's just a really good motivator and he's like you said a very good soundbite for uh, coaches. So I don't know. For some reason, I'm buying stock in them. I, again, I might be a dumb bet pretty soon, but I, well, not soon. Unfortunately, the season's not going for a while. But um, well, I'll get you out of here on this, uh, Eric. Uh, it's been a great a podcast. The time I had you on before an episode uh, in, uh, I can't believe it's already been like a year and a half ago that I had you on. Uh, you told your best, your worst or best gambling beat story, and I loved it so much. I wanted to hear it again. Tell us about the uh, losing on the the parlay you made with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, tell that story again. Yeah, I was in high school, and uh, you know, I just started gambling, and I had a, I had a, at the time a pro line ticket. It was the last game on the ticket, and it was the Buffalo Bills plus three and a half uh, on the road at Foxborough. Drew Bledsoe was uh, uh, still the quarterback in New England, and uh, the Bills were trying to get over the hump, take that next step, and Buffalo was. Um, Buffalo was up by four late in the game, and, and New England had very little time. They had, they had time for a Hail Mary, so uh, Bledsoe threw a, a deep bomb. I, I think it was Ben Coates, and uh, the Bills broke it up, would have won the game, but instead threw a flag for pass interference. It, it, it was a very, very chintzy call. Uh, yeah, Buffalo was obviously livid about it, and... Uh, you know, when you had Buffalo at, at plus three and a half and they were up by four, even if New England scores a touchdown and kicks the extra point, you know, you still win because New England will win by three and you're all good. And it was my last game was been like a thousand bucks or something. And, uh, you know, New England gets the ball at the one. They score on the next play with no time left. So New England walks off the bills and Buffalo was so pissed off about the pass interference call that they walked off the field. And the Patriots, instead of just, kicking the extra point is one for two got an easy two point conversion oh. and one by four and covered as a three and a half point favorite. And it was, uh, just something that, I mean, this is over 20 years ago and I still remember it. That's how painful a loss that was. Also doesn't help when I'm a Bills fan too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, just a disastrous way to lose a football game and then lose, of course, a big, huge parlay 
where the last thing you needed was Buffalo plus three and a half. Oh, yeah, I, I uh, was listening to our episode that we had uh, that we did, uh, and I was just like that story was made me unfortunately made me laugh because uh, not so fortunate for you, but we've all been there with those losses. But uh, that's uh, that's a pretty wild one. Uh, well, Eric, this has been uh, an absolute blast, obviously, having you on the podcast again. It's been uh, a lot of fun catching up, and uh, we'll have to do it perhaps not a year and a half from now, the, uh, the next time. Yeah, looking look forward to it, Howard Doug. All the best. You too, man. That was a ton of fun catching up with Eric Big Cat Cohen. Here's hoping the Leafs can finally get over the hump next year. But in the meantime, I'll continue to bet against them once the series gets late in round one, because why not? It's free money, or if they somehow do win... I'd be thrilled to lose that dough. I'm glad we had a chat about the ludicrous gun laws in the States that have resulted in far too many mass shootings for far too long. It's absolutely appalling and disgusting how anyone could see what happened, and instead of feeling grief and immediately wanting change for the better, they then use it for their platform on politics and don't even care what happened. I truly hope that laws will change, but sadly I won't hold my breath. By the time this podcast is edited and released, there's a very real possibility that yet another mass shooting will have occurred in the States, and that's absolutely soul-crushing and horrific. Things need to change now. I digress. You can follow at TSN underscore Edge for all your gambling needs, and can follow Eric also on Twitter at Cohen. Eric with a C. Thank you for listening to episode 84 of the H-Dog Pod. 